podcast holy crap guys it's may it's like the weather is beginning to start getting nice i actually had my first beach day of the season uh what was it actually yesterday i went to the beach yesterday although not yesterday when you're listening to this but yesterday when i'm recording this and it was absolutely lovely Uh, i'm looking forward to the warmer weather um but i think i've mentioned this before i like the cold weather but i mean the fall really is better when you've had to suffer through the summer. At least that's how I feel about it. And so I always look forward to the fall, which is why I'm excited for the summer, which might be weird to some people, but that's just how it is for me. So I'm excited that it's summer because that means it is almost fall. And I mean, while it's summer, I might as well get outside and uh, spend some time in the warmer weather as long as I have some air conditioning to come back to. Well, anyway, welcome to May's newsletter. We got a good newsletter for you this week, and so I'm just going to jump right in. And I guess in my intro this week, I talk a little bit about movies, and I try, honestly, I try not to talk about movies that much because it makes me feel like an asshole, um, honestly, because I feel like when people talk about these niche things and like, let's say, directors that they're following or movies they really like, they feel like pretentious douchebags. And like, when I speak about movies that I like, I feel that way. And I it, it pains me. Uh, but at the same time, like I really enjoy movies. And I really enjoy certain directors and following their works. And I mean, in this newsletter, in the intro, I talk a little bit about how I've been leaning into my joy of movies recently. And in high school, I really liked movies. There was this movie theater that was five screens that usually usually got a lot of good independent theater, and that kind of sparked my love for movies. And then in college and then throughout my 20s, I just kind of like pulled back for whatever reason. I just, the beginning, I didn't have any money. I couldn't go to the theater. Uh, they were so expensive in Manhattan uh, also, but I just wasn't following it. So I wasn't really thinking about movies. And it wasn't until recently that I've started to really think about myself and what makes me happy and what I enjoy. And one of those activities that I do actually like is watching movies. And so I've kind of been like consciously leaning into that recently and and actually making space in my life for activities that I enjoy. And watching movies is one of them. And I got the Alamo Season Pass, which is unlimited movies, and it's $30 a month, which you go see two movies and it pays for itself. And I've just been watching a lot in theaters, watching a lot in home, and really enjoying myself. And I think it's super important to kind of think about what you enjoy and make time and space in your life for that. And I'm not always the best at that. And with movies and recently, I feel like I have been doing that. And so... Yeah, it's been bringing me a lot of joy. And so I decided to mention it at the beginning of my newsletter. Now it's time for the stories. And speaking of that, the very first section kind of works off of that theme, even though I wrote this first input output section like last month and then this intro literally this morning, but they work together nicely. Um, so input output, the first section talks a lot about why I, as a human, 
am okay with the amount of content that I consume. Because I consume a lot. I watch a lot of movies. I watch TV shows. I play video games. I listen to podcasts. Like I consume a lot of content. And one of the reasons that I personally am okay with that is that I also try to output content, not to an equal level. I'm not there by any means. But like the fact that I output content makes me feel better about consuming as much content as I do. And this newsletter that you're reading, the podcast you're listening to, those are parts of it. I've also written two full-length plays with Avi, my wife, and those are part of the whole plan for output. Um, And then I also have my blog, although posting on my blog at danb.org is spontaneous at best. Uh, But recently, this month, I published two pieces. And so I know in my newsletter, I've talked about Obsidian, which is the note-taking app that I use. Uh, And so these posts are kind of diving into the process of how I use Obsidian. So the first one is about daily notes, which is this template that I have set up that creates a daily note that I'll update every single day. And then the other one is a blog post about how I process books in order to help me remember what I've read. Because I've read so many cool books in my life, I can't remember a single thing about them. And so now I have this process where I highlight books while I'm reading them. After I finish a book, I import import those notes into Obsidian. I review them. I write a summary of the book, like the key points in my own words at the top. And then anytime I want to like review that book, I, I have my own notes in my own words that I can kind of go back and review and then use that knowledge and connect it elsewhere in my life really handy process. I documented those in my blog and I wanted to share that with everybody. Ooh, the next one is really great. So Zach Gage is an artist slash game designer, and he's made a few really cool, like influential, uh, independent games, uh, influential in that, like he is somebody that kind of has mainstream, uh, appeal, but also he's definitely the guy that game designers like you know how there's like the insider people that everybody enjoy that's definitely zach gage and he's made some really cool games one of my favorites is good sudoku one of the most popular is really bad chess where basically he gives you a chess board but all the pieces aren't lined up as you think you might only get like two pawns and like three queens and it's always random and you have to play a game of chess so the strategy completely changes with how you play but it tickles the same itch because you have the same rules with the same pieces. It's just completely random. So really interesting, innovative stuff there. But he just came out with a new game. It's called Not Words, K-N-O-T, Not Words. And it's really cool. It's like a take on crosswords, but instead of clues, because clues are basically trivia. If you're doing a crossword, you're doing a trivia puzzle. This kind of Every single combination of boxes creates a word, and you have to figure out what they are just by knowing what letters go in little blocks. It's really hard to explain, but like once you play it and you get the little tutorial, you'll completely understand it. And it's really innovative, and I don't usually like word games, but this one I've been really enjoying. Avi and I have definitely been spending some evenings playing some puzzles, and the cool thing about it is it's completely free. So if you want to try it, it's a free game. Um, They have an upgrade that's like a one-time purchase to like get extra content and more puzzles and stuff. But like there are more puzzles than you could ever possibly do in the free version. So if you're looking for a new kind of like game that makes you use your brain a little bit and uses spelling and words to put together a a crossword-like puzzle, I definitely recommend Not Words. And I mean, it's on Steam, it's on mobile. So like iOS, Android, all of those fun things. You can pick that up. 
Oh, man. So I totally missed when this was announced, or I might have seen it when it was announced, but I didn't really pay close attention. Um, but Amazon released uh, or announced an in-home robot, like a personal assistant robot. Um, and I think I remember when it was announced, but I didn't actually read anything about it because that is the most unappealing thing to me. Like that is the most dystopian. Oh, man. Anyway, so Amazon has this Astro personal assistant robot that's not even available to purchase. Like if, if you are a consumer and you want one, you cannot go purchase one. I don't even know who can purchase them, but like it's a conceptual thing. There's a couple of people that have them. Maybe there's a wait list. I don't know. But anyway, uh, Joanna Stern, who is the tech reviewer at the Wall Street Journal, did a video review of Astro that I just think is one of the funniest things ever. And I've always enjoyed her as a journalist. Um, back in the day, in, in a past life, I used to work at uh, the online tech journalism place called The Verge. And when I joined, um, Joanna Stern was actually one of the founding members of The Verge. And I joined it pretty early, but by the time I joined, she had, had already left for The Wall Street Journal. But when I was at The Verge, she was like, a big presence there. Like everybody was influenced by her work. They were all friends with her. And so her name came up a lot. So I was definitely aware of her and what she was doing and watched a lot of her reviews and her videos. And it was just really innovative, really good stuff. And especially for the Wall Street Journal, she was catering to a kind of non-tech audience. But at the same time, she had a deep understanding of this and really made content that people that both really enjoy tech and really don't care about tech could both enjoy. And I mean, she's brought this kind of flavor to everything that she's done. And this Astro review is no different. And I mean, I thought it was laugh out loud hilarious. There's this whole Hangouts feature on Astro that during the video review, I was laughing out loud. So if you're curious about what Amazon is up to, if you're curious about Joanna Stern, you haven't really seen much of her stuff, um, or you just want to laugh, I definitely recommend clicking that link and checking out that video because it is dystopian and funny and it's it's terrifying. Oh, next I dive in. I don't know if you guys heard or if you're following this, but Apple finally announced after 20 years, it is retiring the iPod. While, I mean, it makes sense. The the phone has replaced it and the it's, I've been kind of like nostalgic recently thinking back to the nineties and, and sort of like where we were then and how technology has changed and shifted. And one of those things is like the value of music. Like I remember before the iTunes store and the iPod, like going to a Best Buy or uh, an independent used music store, CD store, and like browsing through stuff was exciting. And there was like this intrinsic value for these little discs that had 12 songs on them. And that's all shifted now. I mean, music is more about single songs. People just have music in their pockets all the time and you can just listen to it throughout the entire day. It's just like a different thing. It's morphed. But a lot of that morphing and a lot of where that came from is from the iPod and having this device in your pocket all the time that can hold all of your music. And so as part of this retirement of the iPod, the online publication Cult of Mac has published this really long illustrated history of the iPod that I just found a joy to browse through because 
each of the historical points were things that I remember. Like I remember when they launched the iTunes store. I remember when it came to PC and like it was absolutely terrible. And I remember when they had like the free songs on the iTunes store, like the free song a week, the 99 cents. And then everybody was downloading it just because it was free. And people were like, oh my gosh, that's such a great value. And like all the different, the video coming out. And I remember taking a super long uh, flight. I think I went to Israel, so like 12 hours, and I watched House on my little iPod with video, so the tiny screen, because it had the, the turn wheel on it still, for like the entire flight. At the time, that was just amazing. Like Nobody was watching movies like that. Um, but anyway, really great kind of illustrated history, walking you through all the different key points in the history of the iPod that if you were kind of following along closely or not that closely, it might be fun to look through. And the very last piece today is just a really, really short link. I tend to like put short, fun links at the very end of the newsletter. And this was a web designer slash artist who put together this illustration of how I experience the web today. And basically, I don't know, it's like a minute, 30 seconds, and it opens up a website and you're like, click there. And then a fake ad pops up and then it asks for permissions. And then it shows like all these different things. And it kind of like... It illustrates everything that is wrong with the user experience of the web today in a really succinct way. Because, I mean, when we launched the Internet and we made everything free, that set a weird precedent where this is where consumers want content. But like people that make content need to get paid for that. And as a result, the entire ad industry and tracking and all of this weird stuff popped up. And as a result, the user experience is kind of garbage in many, many ways. And I think that this illustrates that in a really cool way. And yeah, I wanted to share it. All right, that's it for the newsletter this week. I really appreciate you reading it. And I really appreciate if you're listening to it, you listening to this. And I hope you have a lovely May and uh, into June. Have a good one. Yeah.